0: Welcome to the Niche Podcast, your weekly rundown of the biotech, clinical research, and life science industries. I'm your host, Dr. Noah Goodson. This week, the FDA slaps wrists and takes names. Farziga expands FDA approval. BioV makes cash light acquisition. Pfizer targets fungus. And one IPO down, another to go. Acceleron Pharma has received a notice of non-compliance from the FDA for failure to post a summary of clinical study data. The warning requires Acceleron to post results within 30 days or face a $10,000 fine, not a big deal, and criminal prosecution, a very big deal. This is critical as it is the first such notice the FDA has dispatched and sends a message of changing tides around this aspect of clinical trial transparency. Since 2007, when conducting IRB-approved clinical trials on human subjects in the U.S., responsible parties are required to submit a summary of the trial design to clinicaltrials.gov, a national database. Additionally, the federal law requires that studies submit a summary of findings to the same database within one year of completing the trial. While the first half, submitting a summary, is pretty well followed, a brief browse through the database will reveal the second half, submitting a summary of results, is rarely ever met with timely compliance. Last summer, in the midst of about 10,000 other things the FDA was doing, they released guidance on their new procedures for identifying and notifying companies of non-compliance with reporting clinical trials results. Multiple companies received pre-notices, but... Acceleron is the first to earn an official notice. The nature of this procedure highlights the concerns of the FDA. Acceleron was running a phase 2 trial on Dalantercept, the now-abandoned oncological product, combined with Exitinib, approved 2012 for renal cell carcinoma. The trial failed to meet a primary endpoint, and DALANTRICEPT was abandoned. In fact, the results were published in a 2019 paper in cancer. So why the failure to submit to clinicaltrials.gov? In this case, I'm not sure, but it may have just fallen through the cracks. This move by the FDA may be just a slap on the wrist, but it's also an indication to the whole field that this box to check is also a critical part of trial transparency and companies will be held accountable. The notice was given April 27th. Results from Macellarion were submitted April 28th, according to clinicaltrials.gov. Farziga has received FDA approval for a critical new indication. It was originally approved in 2014 to help with glycemic control. Then, last May, it was approved to treat heart failure. Farziga has now received the nod to treat certain types of kidney disease. The expanded indications come on the back of a placebo-controlled clinical trial showing a roughly 40% reduction in the number of patients progressing to major kidney failure. The same trial showed a significant reduction in hospitalizations and death from heart failure or cardiovascular disease. Farziga is the first SGLT2 inhibitor to receive approval to treat chronic kidney disease. This approval does not include a variety of genetically generated causes of kidney disease. The approval for heart conditions saw a major increase in Farziga sales last year. In fact, AstraZeneca sales of Farziga rose about 30% to just shy of $2 billion in 2020. With this latest indication and the intersectionality of its approved treatments, Varzyga will continue to see really robust sales increases across 2021 and beyond. BioV has acquired all of the assets from Nermedix, a privately held clinical stage pharmaceutical company. The deal gives Nermedix $3 million in closing and $7.3 million after a primary endpoint for a lead drug is met. But... The real brunt of the purchase comes from 8.3 million new shares of BioV. At roughly $17 a share, that's in the $140 million value. This is a very cash-low acquisition for both parties in this space. The really heavy money is all backloaded. In fact, the agreed-upon milestones start at $350 million for pivotal trial endpoints and pass $1.2 billion for FDA approval plus long-run sales milestones. So the deal ends up being $150 million up front, plus around $3 billion in milestones. But the structure of it keeps the cash exchange very low for both companies out the gate. BioV's biggest get from the deal is NE3107, which is recruiting patients for a phase 3 trial to treat Alzheimer's. While many Alzheimer's drugs come and go, there are aspects of this specific medication that make me personally really excited. For example, its potential role in decreasing insulin resistance rather than focusing on the consistent dead end of targeting amyloid plaques. Trial enrollment begins May 3rd, but it'll likely be end of 2022 or later before we see meaningful results. The biggest surprise to me is that pound for pound, this is one of the cash lightest deals I've seen in the space in a year. On the surface, it's not a bad deal for either company, but it also reminds me more of the deals I see when markets are tight and companies run out of liquid assets, a distinct contrast to the slews of money we see flying about in capital markets recently. Developing a new product in the biopharma space is incredibly challenging. There are design barriers, capital to raise, and regulatory hurdles. The Scope Method provides consultative solutions to navigate industry-specific challenges. We've helped companies pivot into new therapeutic spaces, change trajectory through clinical insights, and empowered CEOs with tools to transform their data into stories that raise capital. The Scope Method will help you develop data-driven, strategic processes. Find out more at thescopemethod.com. Pfizer has acquired Amplix for an undisclosed amount. Amplix lead candidate, Phosmonogepix, is a potentially first-in-class novel antifungal. With no new antifungals in the market in 20 years and fungal evolution continuing, the need for novel therapeutics is a globally significant concern. Amplix has shown reasonable safety data thus far as both an oral and intravenous formulation. Pfizer was a partner in Amplix's $90 million Series C in May 2020, and the company had a valuation of $189 million at the time. In addition to their lead candidate, Amplix has early-stage antiviral and antifungals in their pipeline that likely fall into this portion of Pfizer's broad strategic approach to the field. Since the deal comes so close after the Series C and Amflix probably isn't out of money, my guess is their valuation was higher than in May 2020. Vaxtech was one of the essential partners in the development of the AstraZeneca vaccine. Their role in the development of this vaccine has been by and large overlooked compared to other superpartners, for example, BioNTech with Pfizer. From what I can tell, they will benefit relatively little from the global rollout of the vaccine by AZ. That being said, a good name is hard to come by, and in March, they raised $168 million Series B. Last week, they snuck in and closed a $110 million IPO. The cash gives them the power to pursue additional products within their pipeline, including oncological and infectious disease solutions. If this sounds like a diverse portfolio for a vaccine developer, that's because it is. It's possible the size and subtlety of this IPO is related to more than just a divergent pipeline. Mixed messages globally on the AZ vaccine may have dampened enthusiasm for additional press coverage. Regardless of global opinions or corporate strategy, they're now in a position to pursue meaningful development of their next product. Werewolf Therapeutics has announced they are going public in an upsized $120 million IPO. Like Vaxitech, this comes close on the heels of the $72 million Series B from January. Werewolf has a unique pipeline of pro-inflammatory immune modulators aimed in the oncology space. They predominantly rely on the conditional activation of interleukins, as well as a solution focused on interferon alpha, which is all very cool in the flood of oncological approaches out there, they absolutely stand out as having a less common approach with potential unique value to certain tumors. But I think we can agree the most salient and important aspect of Werewolf's IPO is they'll be listed on the NASDAQ under the ticker H-O-W-L. Thanks for joining me on the Niche Podcast your weekly summary of the top news in the biotech, clinical trials, and life science industries. You can learn more at thenichepod.com or find us on your favorite podcast app. Like, comment, subscribe, and most of all, share with your friends. If you like what you hear, please rate and review. It really helps us. Once again, I'm Dr. Noah Goodson, and I'll see you next week.